Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody. Mark and Steve on the PBSE podcast. We had a PBSE listener send us in a situation this week. And pretty uh, while the details will be different for all of us as, as couples, the situation is fairly common. We thought it'd be a great one to podcast about. Yeah. So here's what she says. She says, my husband started reading, quote, No More Mr. Nice Guy, which is a, it's a book. Uh, that was written. And uh, the, apparently this book was referred, was uh, recommended to him by his sponsor in 12-step. Now he says his boundary is going to go to his jujitsu class two times a week, which happens to be during bedtime with the kids. I said I'm okay with one time a week, but two, especially on Mondays, is really challenging. He responded that his needs are important and he can no longer back down because then he is compromising his self-care time. His needs are also to, re to receive love and me pursuing him romantically. I guess he stated that as well. And then she says, even though he continues to act out in his addiction every uh, two months or so for the last three years. How do I respond to all of this? Aren't boundaries to help a relationship thrive? This doesn't feel that way. Mm. Man, I, I remember when Mark <laughs> and I were talking before the podcast today, and we were thinking about what we could do went on, and he kind of mentioned offhand that he had already responded to this listener off the air. But I remember reading this one when it came through our inbox, and I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit passionate about this topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> and and I think <laughs> I think part of that probably comes from I can see myself a lot in this guy. Um and this dynamic of 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 boundaries as we get new as we're new at them and as we 
as we make this journal journey of recovery, you know, Mark and I, we deal with situations where this comes up in couples all the time. Uh, sometimes it is with the with the spouse, uh, for example, where maybe a spouse of a, of an addict is, you know, for a long, long time has gone along to get along. Many of you sadly know that story, right? Where you've been more in a neutral position or having to just kind of setting your needs aside to just try to keep the relationship together. You're trying to survive. Maybe you haven't known about or been educated or had an opportunity to be able to hold good boundaries. And, and so we see this <clears throat> dynamic where as we go through the recovery process, one or sometimes both spouses starts to learn about how to find their voice. And the Mr. Nice Guy, No More Mr. Nice Guy book, we are not advocating it by any means. I can tell you I own it. And I think that there are positive attributes in it. Um, it's not something that we would vet. Um, but it is, you know, there are lots of good elements in it. And it very much does focus on this idea of taking your voice back, right? As a well, person. And, I, and I think it's, I think it's important to understand the premise <laughs> behind the concept of no more Mr. Nice Guy and what that means. I mean, I, as I look back on my past, not just in my addiction, but, but life in general, <clears throat> I got into the place where I was what, what I call a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I wanted people to like me, to think well of me, to yep. you know, to be happy with me, to approve of me. So I would I would bend over backwards and and often give away my own boundaries and taking care of myself based on what other people demanded or needed. I, I kind of mm-hmm. some ways became a you know go along to get along um, a doormat you know in a lot of ways. And I work with a lot of couples and with the partners of addicts who will often say, I don't want him to just be a people pleaser or to just go along. I want him to lead out. I I want him to, you know, step into his power. And so the no more Mr. Nice guy kind of addresses those of us who have had tendencies to just sacrifice, you know, our own authenticity and boundaries and self-care because we're so desperate to be accepted and approved of. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's a, it's important thing to, to to put out there, and I appreciate Mark saying that because you know we for many of us, you know, addicts or spouses alike, the reality is is we are just very poor at certain skill sets, and as we go through recovery, we we learn about these certain things. And for maybe if you grew up in an ideal household where self confidence was something that was taught and fostered, where you weren't in, involved in some sort of a shame dynamic or you know, for a variety of other, maybe you had really good secure attachments as a child. Um, a lot of things played a role in, in you learning how to advocate for yourself in healthy ways. This may seem like second nature to many people. Yeah. Right. But for those of us who didn't, again, and there are a lot, the whole reasons for that are myriad. We talk about those on lots of other podcasts, but for those of us who didn't, learning how to do that is really hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's not uncommon when we start to find our voice in that way. We kind of are like little kids in some ways going through this for the first time. And so trying to figure out what is what's healthy for expressing needs without becoming too extreme about it is is always a skill set. And the dynamic can be especially challenging because, you know, like I'll just give you an example. We work with Mark and I, we work with spouses all the time who've been in very difficult relationships with addict partners where they feel like their voice has been silenced, where they haven't been able to speak their truth or live their truth. They're trying to keep things together for the marriage or for the kids, for whatever the case may be. And so they are trying to, you know, just get along. Well, they find themselves getting into healthy recovery. They find themselves learning about healthy concepts and topics. And when they start to grapple onto this, what happens? It resonates with the soul, right? Wow, my needs matter. 
what I want, what I think, what I feel, what I desire, it matters. And oftentimes for spouses, when we work with them, that voice that's just been under the surface quiet will kind of bubble up. And that can be really awesome. But what what can be sometimes the risk with that? Because Mark and I have seen this. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about this concept in a second, but it's what, what one of the things that, for example, can happen is sometimes boundaries will become what we call weaponized. Yeah, right. Weaponized. Where, Mm-hmm. Where whether a spouse intentionally means to or not, sometimes it's one or the other. It can be either or both sometimes. Where, say, that rage or that frustration, that anger about not having a voice for so long sometimes will come out in the boundary process, right? And boundaries, rather than being something that are healthy, and again, we're going to go through the attributes of that, they become almost a way of saying, yeah, I've been oppressed, and I'm taking that back, and... In some cases, maybe that even spills over into the fr- frustration or anger that they have felt over those years. Does that make sense? Yep. So there's kind of an oscillation to that other extreme, right? Of, and again, not this isn't necessarily even a conscious thing, but you know, I my my show's been run for me for this many years, so now I'm running the show, right? And rather than moving to a more healthy collaborative middle space, which is where we want to land, what do we do? We move all the way to the other extreme. From having no voice to what? I now have the voice. My word is law. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and again, that can happen for lots of reasons, but it's understandable why it happens. And it's a and it's a natural place to go to if you've never been sure. heard, if you've never spoken your truth, if you've always been, you know, kind of smashed down and now you discover that you do have a voice and, and can speak your truth. It's normal and natural. I don't I would even say, I don't know, maybe it's even necessary to mm. To go because you're kind of practicing almost. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, trying to probably. you're trying to find where you're trying to find where the healthy healthy space is, and maybe you need to be extreme for a little bit to to feel what it's like, and then you sort of dial it in, you know. So. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that, and I I like I appreciate you saying that, Mark, because I think that that probably does happen for most of us at least to some degree, just because we're practicing, right? Mm-hmm. We've never done it before. We don't know what this is like, and it's scary to put yourself out there that way. So. Anyway, this dynamic of finding that balance and what this is supposed to look like, that's what we want to focus on today. And so, um, you know, boundary skills come in many forms, and that's kind of what we wanted to focus on here is where does the balance lie between the two? But before we can do that, it's important that we probably do a quick rundown of what healthy boundaries look like and what they don't. And we have other podcasts that cover this more in detail, but we just want to run through this briefly with you so we can have just a background for the kind of main meat of the discussion in a second. So when we look at healthy boundary attributes, a couple of rules are always in place. Healthy boundaries are always going to be based, first of all, from maintaining the authenticity and the and the safety of, in most cases, the self, but also in cases around, say, like marital boundaries, they'll be focused on maintaining the safety and integrity of that unit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where they primarily come from. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a healthy invitation to others, okay? When I set healthy boundaries with other people, I'm always setting those through the lens of an invitation because healthy boundary boundary setting requires first and foremost, the recognition of the agency and the humanity and the functionality of of all the other people involved in my world and recognizing that I can only control what? I can only control me, right? And so if I am going to set healthy boundaries, I have to do it through the lens and the context of recognizing that other people may see my boundaries when I vocalize them, when I share them, and they may say, awesome, I can accommodate that. Or they may say, 
either I can accommodate that or I won't accommodate that or forget you. That's never happening or whatever the case may be. Right. And so when we set boundaries, we always set those from a place of, of a place of invitation, recognizing that another in another person. And also, and I appreciate Mark mentioning this as we were getting ready for this, because we are all wired to connect, because we are all human and we are, and especially as we talk about, you know, like in our, our program for addicts, spouses and couples, you know, dare to connect that we run uh, for, for those in sex addiction recovery. Um, the whole goal is connection, right? There, we always recognize that there's that part of me that if I'm setting boundaries with another person on some level, I want to try to maintain collaboration there wherever I can. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I want to be, I'm looking for that where possible. I can't compromise myself in doing that. But I am going to be looking to do that where possible. And this is going to come from a place of, hey, how can we come together as opposed to this is how this is going to go? Yep. So, yeah. Yep. And we and we see when some when somebody has been, you know, mistreated and betrayed and now they finally gain their voice, it can be pretty tough to, to learn how to navigate from now I get to take care of me finally. Finally, mm-hmm. my needs are being looked out for. How do I go from that place and dare to step into the place of collaboration, right? That's a process. And like I, like we just said a few minutes ago, you may need to be in the extreme me place for a little while, while you kind of, you know, get your feet and learn how to walk this path uh, of boundaries, and then you can become more collaborative. And that's what we hope will happen, right? And especially that couples will be patient with each other. You know, I, as an addict, I didn't give my wife a voice for decades. When she started to finally find her voice and I created an environment where she could do that, in some ways she was pretty extreme. And I'm like, whoa, what have I done? I've awakened, you know, I've awakened Godzilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I had to decide if I was going to be patient and lean in and give her the space to figure it out because I had not allowed mm-hmm. it for, for so long. And then now that she, you know, that she learned how to walk that path, she's really good at boundaries and very open to, we collaborate all the time, but it was a process to get there. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely not an easy thing. And and I, and I really do love the, the collaborative spin on that because, and that is going to play a role here as we kind of get into the meat of this discussion, right? Because we have this very real situation where we're talking about kind of two primary things that this listener wrote in about. Right. One is the is the spouse or this addict spouse is vocalizing need for, hey, I need to do this jujitsu two times a week and I need it for my self-care. And the way the wife is saying it, and we only have her perspective, admittedly, but he's it sounds like he's putting up pretty strong air like this is non-negotiable. Right. right. Two times a week during bedtime. This is how it is. And then the other element is I also have a need for being loved and physical affection. So. We, she didn't spell out in detail what that looks like, whether that's I need sex once a week or, or what is being inferred there. If there is something tied to that, oh, that's like three additional podcasts on yeah, versus is. toxic sex. And we uh, we would love to, if we don't already work with this couple in in uh, our Dare to Connect program for addicts, spouses and couples. Guys, if you haven't joined that yet, if you're struggling with any sort of sexual addiction recovery, uh, if you're in the process, whether you're just beginning, whether you're advanced in it, Dare to Connect and help you level it up to the next level. We'd love to have you join us. Come check out your free trial on that at daretoconnectdown.com. We'd love to have you join us there because we actually just spent the whole last month talking about healthy versus toxic sexuality. And let me just assure you that that uh, demanding sex from a partner, regardless of the reason on any regular basis, 
I don't do ultimatums much, but that just isn't healthy. So anyway, <laughs> we'll, uh, but, but kind of getting yes. into this, right, looking at this, where, this is where the rubber kind of meets the road is that, you know, when it comes to boundary setting, the reality is, and especially in intimate relationships, we have different sides of ourselves when it comes to being authentic, right? And sometimes our, our authentic needs might, at least at times, be in conflict with one another. Right. So let's look at this jujitsu example for just a second. We use this as kind of a as a case in point, because we we've, again, by this wife's account, we've got a guy who's more or less saying jujitsu twice a week. I'm sorry, it's during bedtime. Tough cookies like this is what's happening. Well, if, if that if that husband were in dare to connect and he were asking that, like on our attic session, Mark and I would probably immediately jump in. Or if you're working with us in our individual offices. We would jump in immediately and we would probably say something to the following. You know what? We can for this, let's call him Tom. If I was talking to Tom one-on-one, I'd, I would say to him probably something along the lines of the following. You know, Tom, I'm not you. And I can't speak to you fully as to what, you know, jujitsu does for you and your self-care. I'm sure it probably does a lot of positive things. And then I would take the time and we'd probably list them out, right? We'd figure out for, for Tom. What does jujitsu twice a week? What does that represent for him? What does that do for him? What are the needs that that meets? And we would spend time really talking about that and connecting with that. But then I would immediately move to that place of saying, well, can we, we're going to have this discussion about what your needs are around jujitsu, but let's also talk about your need and your desire and your want to have connection with your partner. Because I know that that's an authentic need for you as well. And you have a wife who's vocalizing to you in pretty plain terms look, I want to meet you somewhere with this and I want to be supportive. But especially on Monday nights, I can't put the kids away alone or put them to put them away. It sounds like I'm sticking them in the cabinet. <laughs> I can't put the kids to bed alone, right? Like I on Monday nights, especially like I really need your help. And what, what you're saying is like tough. Like I can't do that. Well, that's, and, and there's not a necessarily a right or a wrong, but Mark said something really good before here, and I'm sure he'll expand on it in a second, is use the phrase, you know, what hill do you want to die on here? And that is an important question here, because, again, sometimes those on the surface, without taking the time to look at it, sometimes our authenticity may not reconcile one area of it with another. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, which elements of this are more authentic? As we also ask ourselves the other questions of, are there ways in which I can meet these same needs in maybe a different way? Can I do jujitsu on one night a week and maybe supplement it with another activity? Are there other activities that can fulfill that certain need? Is there a way to somehow do this in a collaborative way with my partner? But at the end of the day, Tom can only be the one to authentically say, you know, where do those two reconcile? Which one overrides the other? And that's a delicate balancing act, right? That's not easy to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You know, and, and again, we're big, big, big proponents of being very careful with this boundaries process and finding your voice and speaking your truth. If, if it, as soon as you can, as you start to start to learn what that means, right? If you, if you were like me, where you've gone along to get along your whole life, and now you're suddenly discovering this thing called no more Mr. Nice Guy, and you're learning, you're learning the art of setting boundaries and how to, how to speak up for yourself, once you start learning what that's like, I'm hoping that you can move from the quote extreme and move back into the middle place with your yes. partner, right? We always want to err on the side of collaboration, true collaboration, true cooperation. 
How many times, Steve, do you and I talk with couples where we need to help them learn the art of negotiation? Oh my gosh, all the time. Yeah. All the time, right? It's not just one way or the other way only, right? Part of part of the beauty of a relationship is how we can put our creative uh, our creative heads together and stand shoulder to shoulder to look at that situation over there. Yes. I'll say to couples, I'll just bet the two of you in your best space where you're really in tune and you know you're you're really in a in a good connected place emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I'll bet that if the two of you put your heads together, there's probably not hardly anything that you couldn't figure out. Agreed. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's so true. And and that's where you, you know, and, and this is where we have to be, and we would lovingly encourage this guy and anybody listening as well to be examining, kind of taking this full circle to back to the beginning. Do you really need to do jujitsu twice a week? And do you need to be approaching it this rigidly? Or is there something more behind that? Mm, that's because a good the question. Because the end of the day, only you know, right? Maybe you have adopted jujitsu as your new religion, and that is your religious truth. And that is, you will sacrifice all things to the God of jujitsu. And I'm not being joking when I say that. Like, if that's, everybody has the sincere right and obligation to live their life the way that they want. But you also have to be mindful and keep in mind that, as I've told, I'll just, I guess I'll I'll wrap up with kind of a funny story, but also not a funny story of a guy that I worked with for years and years and years. And the only reason why I'd worked with him so long is the way I was, is the only reason why I was able to approach it this way. He'd gone into long-term solid recovery. He was well over a year sober. And I remember we were meeting one day and he came to me and he was really open and he said, Steve, I... I know this may come as a shock, but I think I might want to have an open marriage. And I didn't even skip a beat with him because he and I had a really good rapport. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you, we'll, we'll call him Jim. I said, Jim, I'll tell you, I don't think that's a good idea. And let me tell you the reasons why. And I kind of walked him through all the potential hazards to his marriage and everything he'd been working on and all these different things. And I said, at the end of the day, though, and I was sincere with it. I wasn't sarcastic. I said, only you can decide. You know, is that how bad is that a novelty to you? Why do you want to do that? Is that your real truth or is that your genitals talking? Like, where is this? And I'll explore it with you. But at the end of the day, you if that's the path you choose, I said, I can authentically say that I will support you. But I also need to let you know, because I happen to work with his wife as well, that if you choose that path, I can tell you very confidently that you are also choosing divorce. And so only you can reconcile, you know, which of those desires or wants or needs or whatever is more authentic, right? And it's the same kind of a choice. And I know that's obviously a big, huge example, but the same concept plays out in these day-to-day situations. And I will tell you, I'll throw myself under the bus. I have been the guy that has weaponized boundaries before. My wife is sitting off screen just right now. I have been the guy who has been like, I need this, this, and this. And that's how it needs to be. And she's tried to collaborate or be what or be helpful and try to meet me in the middle. And how how have I responded? Nope, this is what I need. Well, did I really need that thing? Guys, I can tell you 99% of the time looking back, you know where that was coming from? Ego or pride or emotional manipulation. Or I was just in a bad mood and I was being a juvenile and I wanted to feel like I was in control. I mean, there were lots of reasons why, but most of them were not authentic. So well, the other thing, the other thing that finds that happens when you find your voice, and this is not just for addicts in recovery, but spouses in healing. When we first find our voice, what can happen is we will hold that line so hard 
right? This is my boundary. And we, we hold it because I've been walked on my whole life and I'm not going to give an inch anymore. And what can happen is that the dialogue can shut down where we're not willing to, to move under that boundary and peel back the layers to see what it's really about. Yep. For example, Absolutely. this boundary is important to me, not necessarily because it's just jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with tons and tons of built up resentment of people having to have their way <clears throat> and me never my way. Yeah. Maybe I've got anger. Maybe I've got, who knows what it is, but we encourage you to get under the boundary and see what else is down there instead of just making it, you know, my way or the highway, because it's just this particular boundary. I'll bet it's not. I'll bet there's yeah. a whole lot of things that are involved. And, you know, Steve, you said something that some people could misinterpret a minute ago. You said, if that guy decided to have an open marriage, you would support him. Well, what does oh, that yeah. mean? That doesn't mean you agree with him. <laughs> no. But what it means is if, he, for if <laughs> he determines that that is his, his absolute 100% authentic, real, you know, totally higher path in life place, we're not, you and I are, as therapists aren't going to go show up at his house and, you know, hogtie him and prevent him from doing what he's no. determined to, it, that he claims is his authenticity. We're going to honor his right to choose. We're going to honor his right to choose. Now, now we're going to say, hey, dude, that's like a, that's a, that's a train wreck. That's a horrible idea. A horrible <laughs> idea. Train wreck coming. But some, when you say you support him, you know, people need to go get on the train and go have it wreck. Yes. Thank you for, thank you for stating that. I should hit a button somewhere on the screen. It's like that thing at the end of an infomercial. The the needs or views expressed on this podcast are not specifically. Yeah. No, No, I appreciate you saying that because that's absolutely right. Um, We don't support No, that's, that's excellent. No, we just, we support clients to, to go where their authenticity takes them while being the very best to, you know, guide them on that path and be honest and real with, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm not the one that has to live with those choices. Mark yeah, is the one that has to live with those nope. choices, right? Nope. Each of you do. And so um, that's, and that's the beauty and the scary thing about healthy boundaries, right? It's, it's both beautiful and terrifying at the same time. Well, we are definitely uh, over time here. Uh, we definitely need to wrap up, but we sure do appreciate all of you and appreciate the submissions. And as always, your rawness, realness, and your honesty. Um, it's always a privilege working with you guys. If you have questions you would like briefly addressed on the podcast, uh, as always, we would love to have you submit those to us. You're welcome to go to uh, our website at pbcpodcast.com. There's a contact form down at the bottom there that you can go ahead and fill in and send those into us where we can briefly address those. And as always, please, uh, if you like what you hear on the podcast, you will love Dare to Connect. Come join us, take a look at what, what that's about and all the excitement at daretoconnectnow.com. We'd love to have you there. And uh, other than that, uh, thanks again, Mark, for for your recovery of my mis- my misstated statement. I'll look forward <laughs> to some interesting emails from some of you, and I'm happy to clarify where it's coming from. And uh, we will uh, talk to you guys all next week. All right. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.